This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Leah Siegel. Hi. Leah Siegel is an amazing musician, turned spar card, <laughs> founder, facilitator. We'll talk about what that means in a, in a little bit. She's also just my friend who used to be my sponsee. <laughs> 100% true. In Overeaters Anonymous. And what was so interesting about that is that after you had gone through the 12 steps, Leah, and gotten that tattoo right there. Yep. You became my healer. Yeah. A month later? Mm. A year later? You know, maybe a year later. Or maybe months. I I could look at the math when I like got my certification. But I remember being, I remember being, like I remember working through the steps and being like, thank God for my sponsor. She gave me the exact program that I needed to get through this. And I remember saying that to you, and you were like, I didn't, I didn't give you a program. <laughs> you, you did what what you needed to do, and I was, and I was just like, well, I got all of the support that I needed. And, and part of, part of that was, you know, realizing that I believed there was like deeper, more complete healing Mm -hmm. available, um, to, to me. And I, uh, and, and so I sort of left the community, um, in search of more and, I had already created the SPAR method by then. It was actually, oh, I, I created the SPAR method and a week later went into OA. That's how transformative the SPAR method can be, like immediately. It, it created so much painful clarity for me. Right. And I couldn't really, it took me a full week to interpret like what I was feeling after I had my first very, very hard confronting conversation with my, my then partner, who's now my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's how I ended up in a, in a way was because of this bar method. Uh, which I want to get into. We're going to bury the lead on that for a little bit, guys. That's fine. Mostly because we're here to talk about um, Leah's fertility journey. And that came about because after... You, you had become my um, emotional freedom technique guide. Yeah. You needed to do 10 hours, or was it more, 100 hours? 70 hours. Oh, 70 hours. Yeah. Of, um, to complete your... My certification. Certification. And you, you, we delved in deep with me. Yeah. And several of my new mom friends. Oh, yes. Yes, that's right. I was about to name them. Don't do that. Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it was really powerful, powerful, powerful work. I mean, the image, the imagery that came from those uh, healing sessions with you still stays with me today. Yeah. It was so profound. And we lost touch for a bit. And recently you came on to your Spar Method yeah. account and said to the world, guys, I teach about doing hard things and having hard conversations, and I'm going to practice what I preach. I'm going to come on here live every day. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what you said. <laughs> I said it. And I said 30 days. Yeah. Wow. That's a real challenge. Yeah. And I, you know, logged on as often as I could whenever I saw your, and I was like, I'll, I'll be your audience. <laughs> I fucking love you. Um, and then I reached out and I was like, if you want, we could go live together because it's easier to do these things in conversation. Somehow you were like, all right, let's, let's have a meeting. Somehow in that meeting, it became clear that, no, this is a longer conversation and maybe we should just have it on this couch right here. Yeah. Or the mommies, or the mommies to be. And the or mommies the mommy, partners. Or the and the mommies friends. Mm. And, and those who, f- who can feel their mominess but don't have their baby yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for people like Laura, who may just not want to have kids at all. Yeah. Which is fine. But to my point, like completely and utterly holding space for anyone that does have or want to have and, yeah. you know, is struggling or, you know, getting there or whatever. You know, it's just I think respecting everybody's choice is – the only way to do life mm-hmm. so yeah well when we talked I was like what have you been up to <laughs> well you know and you know I remember when I first got pregnant and I was like now I can be on Daniela's podcast no way really <laughs> yeah oh my god that's hilarious <laughs> well you know I I know you so well and I love you so much and we are we have this incredible you know friendship that feels like you know a, a sisterhood and a you know we've both coached each other yeah. um through such <laughs> extraordinarily deep things oh my god we know so much about each other and you know and I knew that you were going to do a podcast or or something and and um, and when I fir- had my first miscarriage, I remember thinking, like, I'm not gonna be, I can't, can't get on Daniela's podcast right. now, right? There, there is like, there, there is such a bizarre, like, it, it's such a bizarre experience to have to have a miscarriage, right? Because, you know, what I've learned is that it's it's really different for everyone. Um, I've also my personal opinion is is that you know a, a person who loses their first pregnancy is just a, a completely different animal than someone who loses a pregnancy after they've had a live birth and a healthy child and they're interacting with their child and they they you know they've they've got their real mom feels and their family and whatever and also you know having a child in your life already like helps you focus on on what's good that you've already had a baby i mean there's just there's just so much to hang your hat on and when you lose your first pregnancy or have multiple losses before you have a live birth and a and a healthy child it's um you know th- what i hear what i what i felt for myself which I had heard from like women actually supported, you know, through EFT yeah. and coaching, um, but c- couldn't couldn't grasp, right? Yeah. Um, was I feel embarrassed? You you feel like 
a kind of ancient shame or shame. something. It's shame. I mean, it's biblical, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, I want to just just rewind real quick to say that secondary infertility can be devastating. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah. Really importantly, not having a baby yet at all. Yet is what we're talking about, and it is biblical. Yeah, seismic. It's seismic, and and and, and it is legendary. I mean, this experience has been going on since the beginning of time. Yeah, and it has been documented from the beginning of time because it is really hard. It's so hard, and it's it's not to say that that I like know, I know you I know I'm your not heart. comparing sufferings, but I know. But but I do want to say that, like the women in my life who had had, um, you know, who who had children and then experienced miscarriage, really c couldn't grasp what I was going through, um, you know, and that was okay, and I was not. It, it wasn't my job to help them understand that I was in like this unfathomable pain, and and I and also there are you know there are people who lose their lose their second and already have a child and and experience just immense you know loss and sadness it it, it just runs the gamut and i and i and you know my job is to help people have hard conversations and face hard things in their life right and you know learning how to unpack something like multiple miscarriage and then multiple failed ivf cycles um, and still feel and, and, and now feel completely at peace with what I've experienced and, you know, feel actually somehow unblocked from certain, like, uh, feeling, certain feelings or ideas or concept that through the last couple of years felt like obstacles, but now they don't feel like obstacles. Right. And now I feel, you know, much more like through this process, I eliminated my anxiety. I faced all of my phobias about, you know, anything that could be blocking this experience. And, and I, I know that we will, I know that we will have a child, you know, and I'm a lot less concerned about the details of it, right? And for me, the like one of the biggest lessons I had to learn was detachment, like healthy, appropriate detachment, right? So, you know, after my first miscarriage, I, which was, there are like a couple of things that like I wish we would talk about more, right? my mother did not have any losses, so she didn't know. But like, you know, my experience taking misoprostol, which is the pill form of yeah. causing induction and then, yeah. you know, basically laboring and, and passing at, at any stage. Like, I know one woman who took this medication who's a doctor and basically like she could like take a knife and just like cut through her. She, she just is so absent from the, the physical experience of like physical pain. And she was like, well, I took it and I passed it at work and, you know, kept going with my and life. kept going. I know, I know a few people who have had that experience 
And then, you know, months later, I know mostly emotional people who are connected with their bodies, but um, <laughs> the, the one person I know, she just kept, she hopped on a plane to go back to work and just months and months later, she sobbed to me. Yeah. It might have been a year later or something. And the shame. Shame. The physical pain. Physical the pain. The horror. The horror. Oh, my God. I have a friend who had a miscarriage waiting in the hospital. And she called me and she was like, Daniela, what I saw on the toilet. Yeah. Like, oh, God. Yeah. It's a, hor it's a horror scene. It's, I mean it's horrific. When, when I was, when I induced my labor to pass, you know, which, what was like a tiny fetal pole, like I, what I experienced was like, you know, it, it's, you're kind of, it's, it's, you kind I was like retching and kind of, right. I mean, and I, I, this is not to like scare people. If you have to take the pills, take the pills. And you know what? You're going to get through it. It, it. it is a short period of time. And when I was in that experience, I remember thinking, this is the pain of women. Right. Like this is, and I'm not like a super like, you know, like fuck the patriarchy. Like I am angry with the patriarchy, but I also like fear a, a matriarchal society, like doing the same thing. Like that's like a scorched earth that like scares the shit out of me. Like I, I believe deeply in us, you know, finding the place where we are all, you know, working together and respecting each other. And I mean, that's your life's work. It's my life's work. Yes. And, um, and I just remember thinking, like, this is the this is down. how we are kept down, right? Yeah. Like, I had the same experience with my. I had a, a miscarriage the first in my my first pregnancy, which made both of my pregnancies very full of anxiety, which you know because you coached me through um, one of them, and um, I wasn't ready, which was different. I remember yeah. having a miscarriage, sort of. I remember walking off the train. And feeling a poof mm -hmm. and knowing that it had gone away. And, you know, coming home, being in the bathroom for a bit, seeing it, a sort of clump of cells. And from my, from my perspective, having not been ready for that pregnancy, I was like, that's when I realized, oh, my goodness, um, I'm a life. That's not mm. a life yet. Mm. I'm a life. You know, there's a lot of, whoa, um, the, ma the matrix sort of opens up to you. Yes. Right. And I had that experience also when I was pregnant, which was like, oh, my God, this is what it is to be a birthing person on this earth. Really, the, the or, or to labor. Yeah. The Pain of women and why? The pain of women, yes. And you know, I, <laughs> I think that you, you know, like when I felt it, I I felt, I felt somehow like millennia of 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 yeah. pain at at like the maximal level, and it it was like. Wow, you know, um, and and you know, to maybe move away from like 
all, all, all the pain. The, 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 I didn't know that it would be painful. And also some people don't experience that pain, right? Just like some people have, um, you know, pain-free birth, right? And, and, I, and I do think that when, it ha when I had my first miscarriage, the, you couldn't ever have convinced me that I didn't want that baby, that I didn't, that I w wasn't ready for it, you know, and I, I wasn't ready for it. I did want it, but I, you know, the, the way my, the way I've changed through this experience, mm -hmm. you know, when I, when I became faced with IVF, I had told my husband like years ago, I was like, I don't know what our plan is, but I will never do IVF <laughs> ever. Yeah. Like I'll I never, never feed my children formula. <laughs> you know, like, cool. And you know, like I didn't really realize how squeamish I was like with in, medical procedures, with procedures, with needles, like, and oh, babe, I, come I on. get for good reason. For, <laughs> come on. I mean, now I'm just kind of a pro at all of it, right? And I, I also got this tiny, tiny dog. Her name is Jumbo, and she, I, I trained her to be my service animal. She's the, she is extraordinary. And of course, when she showed up, it was right after we had our first loss, and all, all of the trauma that you know I was not able to actually process at the time went onto this tiny, tiny puppy yeah. who I raised, right? And so she was a constant reflection of my anxiety of losing a child, losing a loved one. Um, uh, Dogs do that. Yeah. Yes, they do. <laughs> I mean, you're laughing yes, because, <laughs> okay, so she, um, Leah has coached me quite a lot around um, Bernardo, which you, you all have heard of. Bernardo is my dog. And the amount of tapping I have had to do on my meridian points around <laughs> his anxiety, you even referred me, you're like, I need to, I'm sorry, I need to pull out the big guns. You referred me to some witch in, in San Francisco. <laughs> she did, so, I mean, we oh, did, yes. we did. She's great. Sue, we did Sue, session Sue? after yeah. session around the dog. And the dog, I mean, they really, they're, these they, animals, they these are it. service, they, they carry our, our, like the stress we actually yeah. can't. Yeah. I can't keep walking around like this. Take it, little tiny being. Yeah. 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 And, 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 you know, I, you know, the, I even in the middle of the pandemic, I was walking Jumbo, who was a pound and a half at the time. I was walking around the block and everybody had really fled from Brooklyn. It was just empty. And I, I, and there were two other people on the street as I was walking her around my house and they started a fist fight behind me and they body checked me and I was pushed, I, I like, you know, was hit from behind and fell on the ground and like my, it was winter. So I like couldn't, my hat went over my eyes and the, and Jumbo's leash got tied around my and I didn't know what was happening. I, I was like, oh, this is it. This is the end. And like finally figured out what, it, and I was like, oh, it's, it's a, it's a, that it's them thing. But it was just us on the street, totally alone. And it was, it paralyzed me that kind of, and I, I didn't, I, I almost couldn't, also because it was a, it's my first pandemic, guys. So I, I really didn't know how I was going to respond to these things. And I, I just really couldn't, I couldn't function. And like the anxiety of, of like my incredible loves, like my husband, mm. my dog and my 
babies, mm-hmm. the anxiety of, of losing them and being separated from them became so high. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I'm incredibly grateful, right? My, my job has always been like, figure it out, <laughs> figure it out. How are you going to get what you want? Figure it out. And so I figured it out. I eliminated all my anxiety. I found all these, you know, I, I'm constantly picking up these tools to help myself. And so I can help other people. And it, and it worked, you know, but I, I will say that, you know, other than just like miscarriage is painful, but so is childbirth. The difference is that on the other side of your birth, like you get your amazing baby. baby. And on the other side of a miscarriage, like you get a lot of grief. Um, lonely, sorry, loneliness, loneliness, shame, embarrassment. It's a weird thing of like, and I, and I've, I, I've spoken to other girlfriends who, who went through the same thing and, and they're just like, it's so weird. Like the embarrassment is so it doesn't even make rationally. It doesn't make sense, but it's like the, the grappling with, you know, like, I don't know, feeling not like woman enough or, um, how I remember thinking like, how could I have, it's, it's almost like, I felt embarrassed that I loved this thing so much. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of like it's very like a high school kind of um, like amorphous emotional reaction, yeah. right? Oh, Which well, is like, oh, I I showed my hand and I loved the shit out of this thing so much before um, before it had legs. Well, literally, to be specific, it's like you plan your life with this person, like you're pregnant. Yeah. You yeah, think, you're making okay, plans. You're making plans. plans. Yeah, right. Like, do we have enough room in our apartment? Do we have a car? Do we have enough? Like, oh, what how, what are we gonna do for money? And should we move? And what do they like to wear? And oh my gosh, I, I I'll be on Daniela's podcast, which I have to almost apologize that there is a feeling around the word mom. Yeah, totally curious. And I think sometimes I want to change the name of the podcast. To I'm curious, but I almost honor. <laughs> the trigger in that you said to me mm-hmm. on the phone that day like mm-hmm. but i am a mom like i the world doesn't reflect this but in my experience i have mothered i have loved in this profound way that only a mother can i mean you know i have these very extraordinary spiritual relationships with my dogs, but I've never called them my child ever, Mm. ever. Like Elliot was my soul dog. I had a premonition of him and then I met him 12 hours later and I was like, oh my God, if I don't take this dog, like something terrible is going to happen. And then he died on my birthday. Very, very, very spiritual relationship. And then I had Candy and- Candy is who I know. Candy was amazing. She had this like underbite and then the tongue (laughs) slipped out. Yeah. She was the most gorgeous. She was amazing. She was like a bodhisattva. She was like a crystal. She, I've never seen a dog look sillier than Candy in my whole life. She was like a clown dog. She was perfect. And she just had, and she was so kind of over everything. And I adopted her when she was very, very old. And so I called her grandma and she felt like a grandma. And it was also the recognition that like, she was definitely going to die soon. She's my grandma, you know? Yeah. And you were sort of her doula, her death doula. That's exactly right. I I remember the process of her dying and how yes that's right we were huge that was yes for you yes and then I got jumbo and 
I can't deny that Jumbo feels like a, a baby. Of course, I conflated her arrival with the loss of my first pregnancy. But I, I want to say, you know, like for, for, for people who have kids and are like, you know, going through the, and now we're in school and now we're doing this and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there's no, you know, there's, there's, there's no, um, you know, that's, that's obviously not my experience. We don't, we don't have our baby yet, you know? Um, and that's a very different way of experiencing yourself as a parent is like the, the everyday, you know, experience of like keeping your child alive when they first come out and then teaching them things and growing them into a real human that functions and can care for themselves um, in, in some way. And, you know, that's not the way I feel my like momminess, you know, um, a, a really bizarre, I had a really extraordinary, like two pregnancies and, um, and it's, this is actually, I feel is really important to talk about because I have spent my life being like very intuitive and really pushing that away and really, really denying this about myself. And when I got pregnant, just around conception, I heard a voice. I started hearing this voice. Mm. Hello, it's Daniela Ravani, the host of the Mom Curious podcast. And I wanted to take a quick break from the episode to share with you a brand new podcast launching in the Hoth Studios fam. So adulthood is with stand-up comedian Ian Lara and his close friend DJ 8PM. Every week, they'll share hilarious personal stories, cultural observations, and more. So listen every Monday to Adulthood, wherever pods cast. And now, back to the episode. And it was not my voice. And this has happened to me before. It happened with my dog, Elliot. When he, I like got this voice, it like comes from like my body cavity. It doesn't come from here or the place where I normally like experience like thoughts coming from. And, um, and so I heard a voice and I was like, that's not, I didn't say that. And I was like, oh, I, I think we're pregnant. I think we're pregnant. And a week later we got our positive. And this baby, I don't really believe it was a baby. I believe it was the way my body was communicating with me. But it sounded like a baby and it's kind of said baby things. And it was just like the most beautiful and also constant sort of like bubbly effervescence. And it was just chirping in like to me all the time. And I told my husband and I said, this baby is talking to me constantly. I hear it all the time. It's, it's, it's going. And I'd be like, I love you. I love you. Hi, I love you. And, um, and you know, my husband has gotten like really used to, because we, you know, have developed a relationship in which we can tell each other everything, right? Um, freely and, and, you know, hold the space for each other in, in those places. You know, he, he's like, my wife's a witch. Like, I get it. 
she's that's not who I thought I was marrying, but I get it. I get it. I thought it, I was I marrying it. some sort of rock star. That's Actually, right. the first time I met you, I didn't meet you. You were on stage with, with a huge red guitar at City Winery. Oh, that's such a long time ago. And I was though, like, yeah. oh my God, who is that? <laughs> I, did, I didn't realize that was the first time. That was the first time. And then years later. Oh, I, had, I d- actually didn't know that or I had forgotten. Um, I think I had your CD. <laughs> Well, thanks for being a fan. Um, a fan. Uh, so, so anyway, you know, m- my husband was very supportive of like, I'm having this really kind of wild experience. And, um, and then at seven weeks, I remember specifically because I had a friend come over and do, we did like a huge photo uh, spread and, and video shoot for the SPAR method. And at the end of the day, I turned to John and I was like, the baby didn't say anything today. And John was like, well, maybe the baby knows that mommy needs to have a really good job in order for the baby to have a good life. And I was like, yeah, maybe, I guess so. And then I didn't hear the baby again for a couple of days. And then I heard this other kind of voice um, or is the same voice, but it just said something else. Um, that was not happy or kind of not okay. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to see the doctor. And at eight weeks, we went for our first appointment and there's a little, little baby in there and there was no heartbeat. And so he measured, the doctor measured the length of the fetal pole to show, you know, when it stopped growing. And it said exactly seven weeks it stopped growing. And I was like sort of too pained and shocked um, to like really make the connection. But John like got whiplash and he was like, whoa, that that was when you, what he said in front of the doctor was that was when you started feeling different. So, you know, and then my, my second pregnancy was there was no talking, couldn't see anything. I wasn't really trying. And by this time, I still, still had not sort of like accepted who I am, which is the person who hears things, which I have always heard. And yet it has been the, just the plight of my life to be open and honest about who I really am because it would scare the shit out of me. And because because this is this is how people get burned. Right. This is how people get, you know, thrown in straitjackets. And there's so much that I want to share with 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 everyone when it comes to like your your intuitive self and sort of not not feeling afraid of these things. And 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 there's a good reason for you to feel afraid of these things, yeah. but um so when I had my second pregnancy, I there was no communication and I was like, yeah, well, maybe this baby doesn't communicate this way and that's fine. Or maybe I just turned down the frequency on, you know, that station because it's like too traumatic for me to like know so much and to know what's happening at all times. Um, and then I, and because of ignoring my intuition so much, I ended up losing a tooth. How? Uh, because I knew that it it wasn't a baby and it, it wasn't, it was like an egg sac that was, you know, it, it didn't grow at all. It like stopped growing. It's, you know, six weeks, three days or something. And I'm it's just such a long time to believe yourself to be 
pregnant. And I didn't. And you knew that you weren't in some sort of. I had to wait until nine weeks, actually, because my, you know, my body didn't eject and I could, and it was the middle of the pandemic. My doctor is like extremely busy and I could only get my first appointment at nine weeks. And I was like, that's crazy. Like I've already like had a loss. Don't, don't you, don't I want to come in earlier? And they're like, no, no, this is fine. (laughs) And so I ended up, you know, and, and this time I was like, I am waiting, I am waiting to find a place where I can get a sedated DNC because I cannot handle another reproductive trauma like yeah. this. Like the pill. Like the pills, okay. yeah. Um, on the other hand, if the pills are your only choice, like you're gonna be okay. And I, I wish there were like a support group for exactly that experience. I mean, if there's anyone out there with a support group, can you please reach out and let us know? Yeah. And or if there is a person who is a beautiful entrepreneur who wants to start that up, please do. Yeah. I have a friend who did not end up taking either the pill or the DNC, and she waited for her body to eject. Yeah. And it was also a terrible... Really, really hard. Yes, it's it's so hard. She waited and waited, and she's been trying and trying, and she called me on the phone, and I said, I'm here for you, and the whales. Yeah. I mean, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, yeah, the pain of women, the pain of women, we just can't, we just can't sidestep the, what, what the sort of spiritual community would call the shadow or the dark. We just can't, we, we can't sidestep it in this conversation, not just in our conversation with Leah, but just in the conversation around motherhood and womanhood. Yeah. We, this is a real, it is physically so painful. And the DNC is not. Um, a DNC is uh, substantially less. I mean, you're, you know, fully sedated. It's not like, I mean, if you're in, at an IVF clinic, like it's going to be a, you know, much luxurious experience. But if you go to Park Med, for example, which is the the like top um, clinic in New York City, they're really good there. But they, but it is not like a white glove experience. Like it's a just, it's a pretty it's just a rough experience and you're already sort of like going through this, this pain and this sadness. Um, and it's like, anyway, in, instead of like zooming in on, on this kind of, on this kind of pain, like it's pain. And you know what, like also, you know, also, also birthing is pain and there is happiness and there is sadness. And it's, and I think it's, it's, it's important to, to, to know. And, and for me, I got really scared after my first miscarriage because I was like, I don't know if I can go through that again. And of course, you know, now I'm like, whatever, whatever, whatever happens, happens. Like I'm, I am officially like on for, for all of the experience. And I know that I can handle whatever whatever is going to come that that's part of the point and that's also part of the point of detachment right you, you i've i've had to learn to detach from um from from being overly you know like white knuckled attached to like it's got to be this way like i i have to have um you know whatever it is it's details 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 but but the the beauty comes from being with like being okay with whatever happens. So you've been on this like huge journey for I 
for years. How, how long has it been? We It started during the pandemic, uh, so right at the three, pandemic. So I got pregnant January 2020. That was my first oh, pregnancy. Wow. And then, so here's something that I would love Wait, to- Wait, what's sh- so crazy is that I didn't have a, a podcast in January 2020. You just knew I would have- uh, Maybe it was after my second. Oh, okay. Maybe it was after my second miscarriage. Great, checking. Um, I, was just, I was just calling on your intuition. I wasn't sure if that was sort of some sort of prophecy <laughs> about me, but well, go on. We spoke actually. I remember telling, I remember telling you. Yeah. Um, and, and you also told me when you were experiencing- the, the loss of that pregnancy. Yeah. Um, I sort of reached out and I was like, I have a bunch of hand-me-downs. And you were like, Stop. yes, yes, I, that's right. I remember, I remember. Um, the, the, the things that were, that have been the most surprising to me that I think are really important to share yeah. are, uh, for, first of all, like, it's, it's safe to, it's safe to hear things. It's safe to feel things. It's safe to see things, no matter who you are, no matter how you identify yourself. Like it's, it's natural and it's normal. And it's also totally safe to not have any of those experiences. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, uh, it's totally normal to feel this kind of like kind of ancient shame and embarrassment. And that's something I want to talk to people about or let them know. Um, when I, when my hormones crashed from my first loss in 2020, it was the day my husband and I went into lockdown. And when I look at my husband, I, 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 I for years have just said like, no matter what, I did one thing right. Mm-hmm. Like this yeah. is the most incredible person, the most beautiful person, the sexiest person. Like I am deeply in love mm-hmm. with this person. and. This day, when I crashed, I looked at my husband on his birthday and thought to myself, who is this ass clown that I married? And it felt that. That sounds a lot like pregnancy, actually. (laughs) So I could not make sense of it because nobody had told me anything. Well, thank you for telling the person on the other line. Yeah. (laughs) And, and. After about six weeks, it mellowed out, and I was like, oh, my God, my husband, right? And another thing that happened... Actually, is it possible to pause right there? Hold on. Um, because th- there there is something in that experience and in that thought, because you are going through something profound bodily, yeah, like on a physical level, yeah, hormonal level. Now we know on a psychic level, you yeah. are going through something profound and he's like chopping onions. <laughs> Literally. Taking a shit. <laughs> a month later, he was like, like I was still bleeding from the from the loss and just in so much pain. And and he was like, OK, well, you know, next next month when we try. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's no trying next month, my friend. Like, I need I don't know. I don't even know how to process this. Like, I I profoundly miss the 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 baby or the body part that was speaking to like I miss the that connection I missed the, it was it was constant it was every and he had no idea he had no idea he had none he of that living experience in your, he had none of that none of that experience he was living in the outside world yeah. um, yeah. I mean that continues on and on <laughs> <laughs> because to be to be a birthing person is to be a birthing person like yeah. to be a person who can hold life yeah 
is a totally different experience. And I'm wondering how that has manifested in these last three years yeah. in your relationship. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like when I say how profoundly like grateful I am for like the human that my partner like is and and actually has become and and who I've become you know we I signed I signed up for a relationship in which and and this is just what I believe I think people get get married or or create these commitments for like vastly different reasons and my reason was that I believed in a relationship in which we can support each other's growth because I believe that growth is why I'm here, why why we are, we happen to I think feel the same way. Um, he he's not as hardcore as I am. Um, he grows as an artist and as a lover. I mean, the, the art that you create together is so magnificent and gets better is. and better every That's time. That's true. I mean. That's true. We're talking about John, by the way. His name is John. John Morris. And he's an person. incredible artist. And the moment we went into lockdown and all of his, you know, live work was, went on ice, he was like, well, got to do something else. And he created a tech company and raised three and a half million dollars. Oh. And now he's the CEO of a tech company. Great. <laughs> so awesome. he's just an extremely capable person. And um, how did that, how did he support you as this was going on? And how did he mourn? Because did you know that even postpartum depression can happen for men? men? Or yeah. part, part, non-pregnant partners. Non-pregnant partners, yeah. Yeah. But I actually, um, specifically men, is interesting to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, with our first loss, we we had different needs. And we just left room for each other to have those needs, right? Like, um, and, and we were so sad. And it was Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then we labored together. And actually, in, you know, in that first miscarriage, I, you know, he never broke the connection. Like I was on my hands and knees, like, like retching and like barely being able to, you know, <laughs> move. And, um, and he never left my side and he always was, he was always like, gently touching my back and and we figured it out and and after that I was like well he's the best birthing partner I could possibly ask for he's just so wonderful and and then our second loss was just so wild because I had developed this tooth pain and then I you know <laughs> and then I ultimately lost that's an even longer story but I lost the tooth and when I and so after the DNC, I had to go straight to get this tooth extraction. And um, just like, I, I was mean, like, one thing was, after the other. I just, I was, I woke up from that extract, from that surgery, and I was like, hadn't had any time to grieve. And, and I was like, the universe just literally donkey kicked me in the face. <laughs> like, what am I missing? And and I asked and I heard you're outsourcing your intuition. And of all people, you 
don't need to and you need to stop doing it. And you can't actually. Like you can't, you can't anymore. Like well, I can't I tell- anymore. <laughs> yes. thing, I was talking about my back earlier and I've been in this back pain for so yeah. long and um, you know, as much as I would say like, I don't want to take that gig or I, uh, you know, whatever. I can't. You can't. I can't. You, you can't do it. Unless it's a re- unless, unless my whole body is available for this job. Or yeah. Unless this you're time a, a yes. Spent. Yeah. Unless you're I, a fuck yes. I can't. Yeah. I, you know, I almost wish I could. Well, I, mean, I really <laughs> just like, wish I could get on with it but the body is gonna just break down you can't anymore yeah you know you can't it, and it and it was also you know something something I teach like really the most important lesson of the spar method is which for anyone who doesn't know is a a method I created eight years ago to 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 basically heal my relationship. I didn't know it was going to work. I didn't know it was going to heal my relationship the way it did. But, but my boyfriend and I, John, my now husband, we could not have a conversation without fighting. I mean, and I mean like really, really insulting, painful, disparaging rippers. Like, I mean, took you to OA, took you to, well, it wasn't the reason I went to OA. Like he wasn't my qualifier or anything. Right. Like, but, but, but it, but what, the fact that we could not have a conversation about anything, right? So we were chronic fighters. And what that means is like, when you're not fighting, you're in chronic tension because you're kind of waiting for the next fight, right? Mm. So it's a it's a profoundly painful state to live in, especially when you believe this person is the love of your life, right? At some point I realized, what is the point of being with the love of my life if we can't even have a conversation? Like there's obviously a better experience for me, right? So I became very committed to, I'm going to figure out my happiness and my peace. I would love for it to be with this person. And if it's not, it's gonna be with someone else and that's gonna be even better. And I'm okay with that, right? So again, detachment, right? And so we couldn't go to therapy we were blocked from therapy. We really couldn't afford it at the time. We couldn't agree on a therapist. And also couples therapy is often like, okay, you're going to be here for about a year, maybe two years. And like, maybe you learn some tools, but it, it, what we, we don't have two years. We don't have two years. We don't even have a year. And we did not have any insurance to cover it either. Right. I have a friend in this situation now. She loves her partner. They are in the middle of a shit storm and they just don't have enough money or agreeability yes to get to therapy however they're not leaving each other they love each other well they should call me (laughs) they should call me because because it really happens all the time right and and so one afternoon john was away at work and i and i just said this has to stop. Like all I, all we need is to be able to, to have a conversation without hurting each other. And what that really means is we need to be able to disagree without hurting each other. Mm. And I didn't know what was on the other side of that, but I knew I just loved him enough that I wanted to be able to have a hard conversation. And we had a lot of hard conversations in our future, but we couldn't have them because we would immediately just escalate each other and then start wounding each other, right? And so really, you know, out of nowhere, right? 
like my brain just kind of like went into this kind of like scanning mode. And I like, I like Terminator styles, just like, just like saw all of our fights and all of our relationships, uh, like all, all of our relationship issues. And I was like, oh, well, no wonder that doesn't work. Like, what if we tried it this way? with this. And if we have this, will it make sense to have this? And then with blah, 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 blah. And within an hour, I created what ended up being the spar method. And that night, I, you know, John came home from work and I, and he was exhausted. And I was like, listen, I made a thing tonight. We're going to have a conversation this way. And he was like, okay, sure. And, you know, even though he like hates anything, you know, that feels like even a little bit like different, whatever. But I, I, for some reason, really knew what I was doing. And that night we had our first conversation in two years mm. without hurting each other, without fighting, without ending up like throwing something without, which he, had, you know, never did. But, <laughs> but, you know, our fights always ended up in just like name calling and serious insults and just like d darkness. Mm. And it didn't happen for the first time in years. And that, and that was the beginning. And so what that created, that one conversation didn't heal everything in our relationship, but it allowed me for the first time really in my life to experience the real reason why we would fight, why we would fight. And everybody has like a different scent and flavor of this. But that night I understood, oh, we fight because it's easier mm -hmm. to fight. Also because our like limbic system is being totally hijacked and you just like are get into it. But the reason we're fighting is because it's easier to fight and engage this way than it is to actually face like the the true conflict of 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 yourself right yeah. the true pain that you might actually be hiding from yourself mm -hmm. and in this first conversation with John we were actually calm and open enough because what spar method teaches is how to basically contract and release contract release contract release. and what you're doing is you're training your nervous system to make more room for this person who triggers the shit out of you right and because of the ability finally to release after contracting, right? And then release again, release again, and stay sort of like calm and baseline enough, even though it's like tight, right? I started hearing another voice. So they all sound different? All my voices? Yeah. It depends. Okay. It really depends. But but I know it's not me saying it, right? Yeah. And so I started hearing a voice through this conversation and it just said, you're a liar. Mm. And I'd be like, <laughs> and I'd keep engaging. And then I'd hear, that's a lie. That's another lie. You're lying. But it was so gentle and it was so um, soft and it was so clear. And I didn't know what it was talking about. I did not know what it was referring to but it just kept going. And that was the first time I had never run from my own fear, my own pain, my own inner conflict. And a week later, 
I went to my first meeting at OA. And I came home and I said, John, I started a 12-step program for eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And he said, you don't have an eating disorder. I said, yes, I do. And he wow. said, we've been living together for five years. And I said, I know, and I'm sorry. Yeah. And that was the beginning. And, you know, m- my husband and I have used SPAR every time we get into you know, a conflict that's just like, why are we fighting? Why are we fighting this level about this? And what happened is, and, and what happens, right, is, is that you, you practice, right? That's why it's called SPAR, because you're, you're shadow boxing each other, like, and, and you commit to being on the same team. You commit to being partners through this, not opponents, yeah. right? That's the real difference is that you're, yeah. you're training each other together mm. to experience a conflict. And sometimes the conflict as, is as painful as you're living in a completely alternate reality than the one in which I am living. And like, how do we how do we experience this together and still love each other through it, right? Can we hold the space for each other? What you're really doing is holding the conflict of two opposing truths inside your body and your partner is asked to do the same. And what does that do? It creates a feeling of deep acceptance for each other when done correctly. And when not, and without, you cannot push cannot push for a for a getting to fuck yes because when you do all the time someone feels compromised and someone feels unheard and the point is real healing begins with deep acceptance hmm. it really begins with can i just sit in this experience right what's the first one the first step is oh no you're here i tap tap, tap on the karate chop point and you say even though even though i am experiencing embarrassment mm-hmm. i deeply and completely love and accept myself yeah. and let me tell you guys for about a year working with leah i wouldn't be able to get through that whole sentence yep i can do it now you can do it now isn't that crazy yeah but that's the first step in healing until you can um accept ex- love and accept yourself love is we can can sometimes be really lofty and and honestly with every different um life experience yeah emotion yeah it can be hard but that's the work but that's the work work. that's the work it's it 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 is very very hard to like change what you want to change or grow into something new if you are out of acceptance with your current circumstances right and so that's really the basis of of EFT and the basis of the spar method mm-hmm. is like it's like putting rocket launchers on your butt f- towards that experience because you can really go a long time when it's just me myself and I being like it's fine I can deal with it it's fine but when you are facing your high stakes relationship, right? Like someone who lives with you in your home or someone you have, you know, a commitment with or, or, or a life with, that's a high stakes relationship. And it's, it's scary. Yeah. It can be scary to show them who you are, you know, and, and it's, it's a, it's a process of getting comfortable with the possibility that I can show them everything you know, that I am. And just to be clear, like, I definitely believe that, like, 
like there's privacy between people in relationships. I'm totally not like everything has to be shared. What I th- believe is that if it is painful for you to keep to to like withhold information from them, then that's at a cost to your health. Like that's yeah. at a cost to your freedom. Yeah. That's and true. so, um, you know, so what's the way John and I have been able to grow because of spar and the, and if you're going to, you know, commit your life to someone like shit's going to hit the fan, like maybe, maybe it won't, but like more than likely someone's going to, you know, there, there's illness, there's family, there's finances, there are babies, there's parenting, there's miscarriage, there's, there's so much. Right. And when you practice with your partner the the game, right, the experience of training each other's nervous systems to hold space for each other. It's called co-regulation. Co-regulation. Which, you, uh, which is a necessity in, in parenting because children can't regulate themselves. And for a lot of our experience in partnership, we are regressed to be children because we are triggered because because this is family because it's family yeah yes and you know and and you know now and and what I seek to to give people when I work with them is the experience of living of the experience of having two people living authentically and expressing themselves authentically in the home, yeah. right? Or out of, you know, in separate homes or whatever, but but to make room for each other's authentic expression and to know that I'm I'm still safe, right? I'm not afraid of I'm not afraid of of John's thoughts and feelings and John's not afraid of my big, big feelings and we certainly were 8 years ago. And what's really interesting is that when I called you, mhm and I said, what's going on? And you hesitated. You know, there is a feeling, there's a there's a, there's a a societal feeling like, how am I going to share this with this person yeah. that I haven't spoken to in so long? Yeah. And maybe because you've had that nervous system training with your partner, and maybe because we've had the, you know, history that we do, you at some point said, well, I've been growing our family. <laughs> <laughs> and I think... You know, for the SPAR method and beyond, when we can have the courage to have hard conversations and be honest with each other, we can dispel yeah. so much shame that need not be there. Yes. It, it, it is, I have seen it happen in such magical ways, right? Like, you know, I've spent years working one-on-one with people and supporting people to get to that place where they can say like, oh, oh, wow, yes, I accept myself and love myself at a 10, even though this thing is like still my current reality or whatever. And it, it, it is so, it's because we, you know, when when we have these inner conflicts that we must face, right, It's it really is easier to um, to extend that conflict and and just be like, no, I don't, I don't feel it. And it's this weird thing of like having this partner who, you know, loves you and whom you love reflect mm. part of their like experience and reality of you, right? You know, that it that it just it can create really like just like 
shockingly, you know, accelerated experiences of acceptance and love, right? And that's really what we're doing here right now, you know, is like the opening sort of moment of you sitting and being like, I felt embarrassed about this experience, just saying it out loud and seeing in my eyes that like there's nothing to be embarrassed about and having the... um, just having our our listener know that there is nothing to be embarrassed about in this experience. Do you see the ripple effect there? Yeah. And also that if you feel embarrassed, it's okay. You're not alone, right? Like it's a, it's a weird feeling. Also being jealous of yeah. my pregnant friends at like through different weird times of the journey and just being like, I can't see that person right now. Like I can be happy for them or maybe I'm not happy. Like all of it needs to be completely normalized, right? Yeah. And also, you know, talking with, you know, sh- like sharing your, like, your process and your journey with someone at a time when you feel like particularly encouraged or particularly good about things, and then you have another loss, like, and this is, you know, like, maybe ha- like helpful ways to think of it for people who are supporting people on the journey. Yeah. Like, it's not, it, it's not if you've spoken about it once, like, please, like maybe consider not leading with it the next time you see them. Maybe consider don't, don't asking, like really let them lead. Like I went through, particularly through IVF and I, you know, I'm now working with a doctor who was like, this is the absolute wrong protocol for you. This is another thing. Like when you are faced with IVF and you've never thought about before, like there's so much out there and you kind of just have to dive in and that kind of sucks. But, you know, my doctor now is like, that was a terrible protocol for you. Like you would never, ever (laughs) (laughs) succeed. Wonderful. But it's like through that whole journey of being on like tons of hormones, like there were days when, you know, I had shared with people openly and then was just like, I cannot talk to anyone about this. It's, it's okay to, to feel just totally on the seesaw of like, I'm totally open and going for it. And then just be like, I do not bring this up to me. Yeah. Especially if like, you're a friend who doesn't really know where the person is in the process. Like, like it's not a good idea to just like drop, you know, memes on them or, or just like, let, let them lead is, is all I'm saying. And the most surprising experience I had post miscarriage was, and one of the very first couples I ever taught SPAR to oh. had experienced this. And I did not like metabolize it, right? But not only could you be like what someone I heard, so I saw someone online call it the porcupine phase when you're just like, ah, like, you suck, leave me alone. But it's also an experience I call the the del- the diluted longing. That after miscarriage, you know, you might feel like very horny, right? Oh, oh yeah, I I actually I, I, you're not the first person to say it, that after people have miscarriages, and I experienced this myself. I was like, I gotta get pregnant, and I gotta, and it, like it was like such a it's a strong yeah, it's a urge. urge. It's a strong yeah. urge. I experienced so so you're either going to feel very, very like super like, like rocked for your partner, 
but you also might experience it for someone who's not your partner. And this really happens. And I wish, I wish women would talk about this. I'm going to write an essay about this because it's so important. Yeah. The way, so one of the first spar couples I ever worked with, this had happened to them after a miscarriage. And, and she, uh, her experience was feeling an incredibly strong pull towards someone she worked with. And, and, you know, and she, it was so strong. She actually like asked her husband if she could explore it. And this is like a, this is not the kind of couple that is like, it's a hard no. And he he kicked her out of the house Mm. and they separated. And then, and then I got them to spar and, and they got through it and, they're an amazing couple. And I experienced a version of that. The way I experienced it was I had a, I have dreams after these losses and I dream of, I would have incredibly intense dreams about previous partners. Oh my God. And, and it, it's really so strong that it's kind of like, am I supposed to call that person? Like, am I supposed to reconnect with that person? And I really, really wish that more people would talk about this because it's so painful for the relationship. I'm so grateful that you bring it up. Yes. And, you know, it is very easy for me to say something to my husband. I didn't talk about it the first time. So I was like, I'm not going to call that person, but like, whoa, that was a heavy dream, man. (laughs) And then my second, I dreamt seven nights in a row about my college boyfriend. (gasps) And I woke up on the seventh morning and I had been holding his face in my dream. And I looked at his face and I said, I will love you forever oh, for the rest no. of my life. And I woke up and I was like, um, <laughs> and I was like, John, I just have to tell you that like, I think this happened after my first loss, but like, I'm having very, very intense dreams about previous partners. And and he was like, you know, and and, and, you know, again, like we're, we're, we're very lucky. Like we have created a relationship in which we are not afraid of sharing with each other. And, but we were eight years ago, PS, right. Yeah. And, um, and by actually talking about it with my husband, it, it like brought me into my, 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 more, my, my, my right mind, my reality. And I was like, oh yeah, actually, no, that's crazy. He was like, well, do you love Jesse forever for the rest of your life? And I was like, no. <laughs> and he was like, okay, well, do you want to talk to him? And I was like, well, it would be nice. We're actually good friends and hadn't spoken in a long time. And it's not out of the ordinary at all. And, and he was like, well, yeah, you know, it, whatever you need to do, like, but I'm here. And he's like, are we okay? And I was like, yeah, you're, I love you. You're, you're the person I love for the rest of my life. And he was like, okay, cool. Wow. And it completely diminished that like the the like intensity around it whatever please please talk about it i know that like you know there you can have a situation in your relationship where you're like no we don't talk about exes we don't talk about any sex we had before we before we married and i i that's just not the relationship i have and i totally understand if that's the relationship you have and if you're a person out there who has had a a you know a, a loss and had this experience like I have I have wow. named it the deluded longing, and I really, really wish that that people, you know, could just 
just go be okay with it. Just work through it. It's just the opposite side of the coin of, of the porcupine wow. syndrome and like, you know, hating everything and needing everything to be away from you. But you know, what a way to just like end this, but also just start perhaps start. <laughs> <laughs> How do we keep the conversation going with you and with the spar method? Yeah. Um, how do we all just send our loving Reiki? Ooh, you want to send baby. me my baby prayer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like my hand, my palms are open, which is my palms are open. Um, and what's so cool about, you know, like technology is just that like <laughs> at any given moment, you'll have palms open mm. your way, babe. Mm. We love you. I love you so much. I love you so much. We've been through so much. <laughs> where do we, so where do we follow you? You can follow me at the spar method on Instagram. Um, that's, that's where I post all spar stuff. I'm, I'm also, you know, many other places. If you start at the spar method um, on Instagram, you can then find everything else oh including jumbo at she's at jumbo the tiny dog she's very wise um and has a and she's she's like become a much bigger celebrity than me <laughs> um, um but well, that's a good place and also you can you can um see reviews i also you know i got endorsements for the spar method like over the years and i just never put them up anywhere i don't know but but now they're i'll put them up i've been sharing them lately um so if you go to leahsiegel.co l-e-a-h-s-i-e-g-e-l.co you can you you know you can contact me through there you can see uh, you know testimonials you can see whatever and you can also hear like music, music and really good music guys i mean you know whatever. it was a lifetime ago and it was a beautiful life i'm you know i remain an artist above all else. Mm. And so I refuse to turn off any of my, my parts. I've learned that that is just to my detriment. And I, I, I just, I, and to the living. detriment of the rest of us. Cause let me tell you, your parts well, are some you. good parts. Thank you. I love you. I love you so I much. I thank you. Thank you. And thank you guys all for listening. I'm Daniela Rabani. You can find me at Daniela Rabani and I'll see you next Tuesday on the mom curious podcast. I love you. I love you. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Mom Curious Podcast. My name is Daniela Ravani. I am your host. And I would love to continue this conversation at Daniela Rabani on Instagram. And if you'd be so kind to rate and review, share this podcast, I would be just really grateful. Catch you next time, every Tuesday on the Mom Curious Podcast. Produced by Hoff Studios. You can find them at Hoff Studios on Instagram as well. All right, have a great day.